What is Up, Consumies? This is Jamie Lewis, host of the Consumed Podcast, where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers sit at my creaky kitchen table and talk about life and flavor with me. You're at the table too. Thanks for joining us. Before I introduce today's guest, here's a little bit about sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. If you live in San Luis Obispo County or you love San Luis Obispo County, Slow Life magazine is for you. This publication connects its 100,000 readers per issue with the culture, people, and happenings in our area. I write the food column for the magazine, and most recently, I covered Cane Tiki Room in Paso Robles. It's this super fun, adorable spot with pineapple lights outside and tiki gods everywhere and legit cocktails with all the plastic monkeys, umbrellas, and bendy straws. I'd tell you all about the food they serve, too, but you got to wait to read it in the magazine. Find Slow Life in your mailbox every other month if you're a local, or visit slowlifemagazine.com to get a subscription. If you've been listening to the Consume podcast for any length of time, you know I've been supported by Rancho de Anaveros Wines almost since the beginning. Recently, Vintner James Onoveros partnered with Santa Barbara County wine expert Wes Hagen to offer tastings at the historic ranch in the Santa Maria Valley. On the Rancho de Onoveros website, I love it. It says, this is not your average wine tasting. Please allow two to three hours for the full experience and bring your boots. I've been to the ranch house and in the Rancho Onoveros Vineyard, and let me tell you, it's just one of the most heartfelt, down-to-earth, yet sublime experiences. The place is laden with history, and it doesn't hurt that the native nine Pinot Noir is a supernova. It's so good, in fact, that Wine and Spirits magazine named it one of the top 100 wineries of 2021. If you'd like a private tasting at the ranch house with Wes, you owe it to yourself to make a reservation by emailing Wes Hagen at wes at ranchosdeonteveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. I recently scrolled through Instagram and saw a post from the San Luis Obispo Food Bank featuring a young woman named Claire who had raised $5,000 for the organization since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. She's 12 years old, 12, and writes a weekly newsletter called RNC Gardening Tips and Tricks, which she prints and hand delivers for just a dollar per month, and all the proceeds go to the food bank. 
I reached out to the food bank to see if Claire and her mother Brenda would be interested in coming on the Consumed podcast. And not only did they both say yes, but food bank CEO Garrett Olson said yes, too. Garrett has worked with the food bank since May of 2020, coming on right in the heat of the pandemic. But as the former Slow City Fire Chief, he is no stranger to heat. Listen as I talk with Claire, Brenda, and Garrett about hunger in Slow County, how it can go unseen, how the food bank is addressing the need, and the drive of people like Claire to help others. Here's my conversation with Claire, her mother Brenda, and Garrett Olson of the San Luis Obispo Food Bank. I'm sitting with... Garrett Olson, who um, is, what's your title at Food Bank? I'm the CEO. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been CEO? I am a product of COVID. I came on board um, to help with emergency management during the early days of COVID um, temporarily, and then um, started as CEO in May of 2020. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're fresh. That is a crazy time to come on. It was a crazy time. Continues to be a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to hear all about that. That's the only normal that I know is post-COVID. Wow. Well, they're lucky to have you. Um, And then Brenda and Claire, who, let's see, how do I introduce you, Claire? This is, you're the reason I had, I set up this interview. Um, Where did I see it? Was it on Instagram, maybe, that you were featured? Or was it in a newsletter? I can't remember. Anything come out recently about you? Well, I have a project that I'm partnering with Tally Farms and Poor Richards Press. So they've been advertising that, my Thanksgiving drive. That's what it is. That's where I saw it. Okay. So can you explain to me what, how... How does a, you must have been like nine or 10 at the time, right? Yes. How does, let's say, a nine-year-old in San Luis Obispo come to care so much about giving back? How did that start for you? Well, it was me and my two neighbors, Rachel and Natalie, had a yard care business. And we were like, we're going to raise $100 for the food bank because it was during COVID. And Mm -hmm. so we were like, we, this was a really, like, becoming so important Mm -hmm. during COVID and we wanted something low contact. So we started the newsletter. Okay. And explain what that newsletter is. It's four pages and it has a main article, which has been becoming like a recipe. We've been doing Mm -hmm. themes. So a recipe and then jokes and riddles and (laughs) a plant of the week and then a gardening comic. Plant of the week? Like a plant that you feature? Yes. Okay. This, as a writer, this like warms my heart. And I've been an editor, um, and that's not an easy job, what you're doing. Are you, are you writing all of it? Or Natalie, what's the other friend's name? Uh, Natalie and Rachel, actually, were, they weren't able to, to continue, so okay. I just do it on my own now. Wow. Um, but I still call it RNC for Rachel, Natalie, Claire, to, nice. to keep the memory of what we've done together. Yeah. And every week, I write a new issue. I am going to hit 100 by the end of the month. Oh my gosh. I know how that feels. I think you are my 150th episode wow. of this wow. podcast. Congratulations. Little, little celebration. Good job. 100, 150. That's awesome. Um, was the lawn care or the, or the yard care business, was that already going for you before you decided to start doing it for the food bank? Well, it was... It actually started, we wanted to raise money for the National Alliance to end homelessness. Okay. And then COVID, and we just thought after we'd raised that, like, we should do it for the food bank Mm -hmm. because so many people are in need of of food right now. For sure. And I want to hear about that. 
Brenda, has she always been like this? Did she come she, out this way? Yeah, she has. You know, it's funny because um, we also work with another nonprofit, and that's because of Claire. Yeah. So when, when Claire was six years old, uh, we got this baby bottle, and it was like, fill the baby bottle with loose change. <gasps> Parenting, pregnancy and parenting support? Exactly. I love it. Um, so when, we, when she was six years old, we got that bottle, and she said, Mama, I want to raise money. And... We did a little bake sale, and she sat on the corner and sold mm-hmm. um, baked goods, and we filled that bottle. And the long and short of it is, this is not about me, but um, we kept going on that, and we we joined another group with the church. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I'm now a board member with Pregnancy and Parents <gasps> Support, and that's because of my daughter when she was six years right old. Right on the younger generation. Cammie Statler is a good friend of Cammie. mine, yeah. and yeah. she does incredible work over there. She does. Yes. That's a very worthwhile um, organization to partner with for sure. Okay. So were you already on with, um, the food bank when Claire came along? Um, I was, I think she was already doing a lot of great work in the community. Um, but was thrilled to be there when the partnership really began to flourish and continues to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's just amazing to think back on that and, and all of what was in the media about, um, what was happening locally and, and children that were displaced from school and a lot of the social norms and a lot of the challenges that a lot of um, people of Claire's generation faced and continue to face um, and the way that, that she and her friends and now she um, ind- independently um, continues to do things to better the community, um, it just shows um, what the, the resilience, the care and the heart um, and the difference that that one beautiful young lady can mm-hmm. make in our community. Um, and to be clear, and Brenda will probably say this over and over and over again, this is 100% Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a mom, a, a helicopter mom, um, yeah. trying to get her daughter to do great things so she could write a, um, a an application to college. This is 100% Claire <laughs> doing things out of the goodness of her heart. And it's just absolutely beautiful. It is my favorite story of COVID. Yes. I feel like there are people who, the reason I asked, did Claire arrive this way is I think that there are people for whom this is just, it's their setting. It's their default as they, they arrive in service to others. Um, and I mean, I, it's interesting as a parent, like as you're shepherding someone, I think that it can be, um, awe-inspiring, but also kind of scary to have someone who's so involved in the community, so ready to go out. Does that resonate with you at all? It, you know, it does. And and Claire is an active kid. This isn't the only thing that she does. She has a lot ask. of things that she does. Um, and she gets busy. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, she's, but she's dedicated to this newsletter. And I will say, I've said to her, Claire, maybe you should give up the newsletter. <laughs> and she's like, no way, mom, yeah. I am doing this. And, and, so I, you know, I have to give her, encourage her to give herself permission to take a month off in December. Yeah. Like, you know, take two weeks off and just send them a note and say, I'm going to take a couple weeks off. I'll mm-hmm. get back to you in a couple weeks after I, you know, enjoy my holiday vacation. Right. Um, right. So, you know, it, it can be, but she's really dedicated and I yeah. appreciate that as well. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So just mechanically speaking, so you have a four page, it's a hard, it's a newsletter that actually you send out. I actually deliver it to people's doorstep. Oh, right on. Yeah. So how many subscribers do you have? I have 16 at the moment. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how much have you raised for the food bank in in that time? 
Well, over $5,000 I have donated, and I'm in the process of my Thanksgiving drive where I've involved Tally Farms, Mm -hmm. and that is being, people are being so generous, people I don't even know, and I am really looking forward to donating that. Okay, so when you say a Thanksgiving drive, does that mean you're asking people to write checks to the food bank? But how is Tally involved? Uh, I am sending out flyers for it with Mm -hmm. a like QR codes so that they can go visit the my donation page attached to the Slow Food Bank. Okay. And they can make a donation there. I see. So they're raising awareness and so pointing people. The, the flyers are going out in 7,000 of Tally's boxes. CSA boxes. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. so all of those folks that already care about local agriculture and the local community, um, Claire designed a beautiful flyer. Um, found a partner to offset the cost of oh, the printing. Oh, poor Richards. Yes. Thank you, yeah. poor Richards. That's awesome. Okay. Well, Tally Farms is a sponsor of this podcast. So I, oh. the fact that they're so, they're, it's just, it's a benefit to all of us. Family farms are incredible. Yes. Um, that is so cool. And 7,000 boxes. Hooray, Tally, for having 7,000 boxes. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're raised, do you have a goal for that that Thanksgiving drive? Yes, I'm hoping to reach five thousand dollars. More. Five thousand more dollars. Unbelievable. Yes. Have you been able to have contact? Like are you when do you help at the food bank where you can see some of the clients, the folks who benefit from food bank the work that you're doing, the money you're raising? Well, I've been um, volunteering Mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing how it comes together in the physical form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's seeing seeing how the seeing how everything is put together for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right on. You know, and every time we come in, um, because I bring Claire in to drop off the donation, Garrett is so kind and hosts Claire and shows her a new thing every time. And Mm -hmm. depending on when we come in, sometimes there might be someone that's coming into the pantry area. And so we get to see what's happening. And if, even if there's not someone there, we see what, what they have to offer. So every time we come in, we learn something new. And Claire last week, Claire and I both, for the first time, got to volunteer because Claire's of age now, so she can volunteer in the warehouse. That's right, because there's an age Mm -hmm. minimum, or minimum, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, so every time we come in, everybody's very kind there, and we Mm -hmm. learn so much about their process. Yes, I've only ever known great things about the food bank. I've only ever known great things. Um, It's such a great organization. I, to be honest, though, you know, I've, I've lived here most of my life, grew up here um and i'm aware of the food bank and we've given to the food bank but i don't really know you know the ins and outs of where what is your reach is it countywide does it go further than that yeah so we we are countywide we are the official food bank of slow county so Mm -hmm. from napomo to san miguel from california valley all the way to the coast we provide food um and real quick because I want to preserve as much time to talk about Claire as possible. The way we get food out is is interesting. Um, we have 85 other nonprofit partners that mm-hmm. we provide food to. So everything from churches to shelters, uh, boys and girls clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide food to 85 agency partners who are on the front line of hunger relief. Then we infill where that isn't reaching need mm-hmm. with about 60 distributions every month where our team will go out and provide direct hunger relief. So our trucks drive out and provide food to families in need. Um, And then we started a program during the pandemic because that's what you 
do. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, now have a senior home delivery program, so seniors that don't have the social connectedness yeah. uh, and the financial means to get food, we're delivering food to uh, about 100 seniors every week. Incredible. So direct, I mean, you write to the, their door. Exactly. And that only just started since the pandemic. Yeah, it's it's a much longer story than for this podcast. Yep. But we, we started doing it in coordination with the county when seniors were told to isolate and before stores had special hours for seniors and before the mm-hmm. vaccine. Um, so f- seniors, regardless of their financial means, if they were socially isolated, even if they had... Um, a a certain amount of wealth, they still needed to stay home. They couldn't go shop. So we started a program with the county. As that program closed out, we discovered that there were hundreds of seniors that had no other option. They weren't on our radar before. And so we kept that list of names and started a new program. For sure. I mean, yes, that's, you know, I, I hesitate to talk about silver linings with the, with the pandemic, because there's so much more that's not a silver lining. But for organizations that maybe didn't, people rose to the surface that had needs that maybe, you know, you wouldn't have known about before. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and people like yourself, who maybe didn't know a whole lot about the food bank mm-hmm. before, are, um, are sadly, um, are... Um, our image in the community, our reputation in the community was enhanced um, mm-hmm. just because of how hard we leaned in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more people were aware of us that needed services, and so more people availed themselves of those services. And more people that were in a position to give became aware of the Slow Food Bank and yeah. the value of investing in our program. 87% of our annual operating budget comes from local donors. So a lot of people think food Huge. bank is government money. Some of it is. Mm-hmm. The vast majority is individuals like Claire um, raising money to help us. And and um, there were there were um, a lot of folks during the height of the pandemic that were doing wonderful things for us. None with the stamina that Claire has had. Um, and <laughs> well, she is young. Let's be honest. Like, well, she's got that young blood. Yeah, and she does not tire, that is for sure. <laughs> and uh, just give her a quick plug. She's also going to be in a play here real soon. So oh, she, cool. she she is not a, um, a, a one-trick pony, that is for sure. She's yeah. got many talents. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people leaned in and did things for us, but truly raising money, and it sounds transactional, and I, and I don't mean it to, um, but raising money, we can turn every dollar donated into $4 worth of purchasing power. Mm. So if you were going to go out and buy $10 worth of tuna to donate to mm-hmm. us, and that's a great protein for our clients, if you gave us that $10, we could turn it into $40 worth of tuna. So the impact of someone like Claire giving mm-hmm. us, um, raising $5,000 so far, and another $5,000 she hopes you right now, that's yeah. $20,000. Yeah. That, that is just a beautiful difference to people that Claire will probably never meet. Mm-hmm. Just giving out of her heart. Math is not my strong suit. How do you turn $1 into $4? Also, topic for another podcast. Okay. It, it's incredible. There are a lot of things that we do. So we have the gleaning program. Glean yes, Slow is part is of so Slow cool. Food Bank. Yes. We, we rescue over 300,000 pounds of food every year from mm-hmm. Tally Farms when they have surplus in the fields to everything. If you had an avocado tree in your yes. backyard, we'd do that. Yeah. Um, we get large um, donations from um, Albertson's Family Foundation mm-hmm. and some church organizations with 
social network. Um, and then, and then the, the real magic is we buy in bulk um, mm-hmm. and we buy across the a national network of distributors that provide to food banks. And so okay. when we buy food, we're buying it on pallets and we're buying it in truckloads. And so it just the magic of our bulk purchasing power is absolutely incredible. Okay, that makes much more sense. You can leverage that volume absolutely. and scale. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, so back to Claire. Um, what, because I've only had a couple kids on this, on this podcast, I want to ask, what was it like separate from what you've done for um, the community, but what was it like as a kid going through the pandemic? What, when you first found out you couldn't go to school, what was that day like for you? Well, to be honest, I was a little nervous because I had just like had a party with my Rachel and Natalie. And so I was like, what's going on? And it was just kind of confusing. And yeah, but it really gave me um, a new way to approach the days. Mm -hmm. And I got to spend a lot more time with mama. Yeah. Yeah, we went hiking together and I did a lot more art. Yes. And I was able to do get school done a lot quicker. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. It says mm. that says something about <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, but yes, yeah. 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 It was a hard time though cuz when when it happened, she was 2 days away of, of starting rehearsals for a huge show mm. um, that she was in a musical that she was cast in and mm. you know, ultimately for that whole 2020, there were no there was no theater. It was no. it was over. And, um, and you know, and the, and the sad punchline to that is she got to be part of it eventually, but not at the same level. And so, mm-hmm. you know, COVID, you know, our kids, all of us, but our kids in particular missed out on a lot of, a lot of opportunities and mm-hmm. they rediscover themselves. And so Claire had an opportunity to find new ways to be involved and stay active and, you know, and make social connections that she otherwise not, might not have made. I mean, we never would have met Garrett had it not been for right. this newsletter. Yeah. Um, but it was a challenge. I mean, it was it was definitely a shift and, mm-hmm. and she missed out on things just like all the kids did, but, yeah. um, but finding new ways to move forward. Yeah. Finding new, new things. Yeah. Would you, if the pandemic hadn't happened, would you have been, I think, I mean, I'm asking an obvious question here, but would you have been in, as involved just in giving back or was well, it a Kickstarter sort of for you? I think it, it was because the whole idea of the newsletter was something low contact because of COVID. Yeah. Like, don't get close, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so I think maybe I would have been a little more involved with other organizations, but this was really like, it really helped me be involved and mm-hmm. see all the wonderful things that nonprofits around San Luis Obispo are doing. Yeah. I find that when there are limitations to what I can do, so let's say can't make contact with people um, and, you know, can't go in their homes and um, and there's a need. I find that when there are limitations, I actually get extremely creative. It boosts the creativity yes. big time. And so that I could see where that would be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So as a writer, what are the articles that you're writing? What, like, what was this week's? Hmm. Well... I haven't started the newsletter for this week, (laughs) naughty, naughty, but (laughs) last week I actually went and delivered some of the pumpkins that Telly Farms had given me. Mm -hmm. They had so much, so many extra with some 
some recipes mm -hmm. that I actually pulled from their website and just a thank you note. But usually uh, I find some, some uh, gardening holidays mm -hmm. for the month when it's like starting a new month. So I think I will do gardening holidays for November. What does that mean, gardening holidays? Um, like maybe National Pumpkin Day or something like that. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, okay. Gotcha. just something fun. Or uh, I'll write about maybe different types of grasses. I think I did that mm -hmm. once, like how to identify the grass around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And just things that people probably wouldn't have learned about if yeah. it weren't for my newsletter. Yeah. yeah. Writing for me has been the best education ever because to, to be able to... Sh have something to say you have to learn something right yes so you've learned about grasses what's something interesting that you learned about that you had no idea and it really blew your mind hmm that's probably a tough question <laughs> well there's so many because i mean i'd have to be something about the plants that i feature but mm -hmm. i've featured Probably think. 95 plus. Wow. So what about the stinky plant? Wasn't there a stinky plant? Tell oh. us about the stinky plant. The corpse flower. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, it's beautiful and smells like rotting carcasses. Oh. <laughs> it was just so interesting. That is. And I believe, I may be mixing this up because I know there was another one, but I believe they had grown one at Cal Poly in past oh. years. Do you remember where they come from? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Wow. The stinky flower. That's so crazy. Love it. Do you, have you always had a love for plants? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I have as much of a green thumb as other gardeners, but I, I try because yeah, it's really fun. It is super fun. There's something beautiful. I mean, you see my house is full of plants. Like, yes. I, and that didn't come on for me until later in life. I always killed everything. Um, but that plant back there, the tall one by the to the right of the fireplace, I bought that at IKEA in Berkeley on um, when my husband and I were buying our first furniture twenty years ago, mm -hmm. and that thing has survived through. It has survived me, let's just say. And I, anyway, I have a real plant passion that didn't come on until later, but that's wonderful. Um, at home, I love to talk to people about how they eat. So how, you know, has, has being involved with Tally at all changed the way you eat or the way you see farming? Well, uh, the reason that we reached out to Tally was actually because we do re receive their produce oh, boxes every okay. week. Okay. Yeah. And I will say, like, the newsletter and the produce box, sometimes I'll see oh, we have this vegetable in our produce box. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll find a recipe that I can put in the newsletter and that we can make for dinner. Yeah. So just clever ways to use that produce and realize how far that food can go. Yes, right. What's a favorite thing that you get in the box? Oh, I love the carrots. Really? Yes. Okay, now my husband would say that a carrot is a carrot is a carrot. No, I, I disagree. But what, what kind of carrots or like what is it about them that you like? They just taste like somebody pulled them out from the ground, rinsed them off, and they are so just fresh. They're sweet. Yes. And crunchy. Yes. Yeah. When we're prepping the box, I say to Claire, Claire, some of these have to make them into the fridge. She oh. loves them. But she's always been a vegetable 
kid. Yeah. Like we would go to restaurants and I would bring, this sounds odd, but like frozen corn and she would yeah. just snack on that instead of getting a, when she was like a toddler, instead of getting, you know, a meal there. She a quesadilla all, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And waiters would come over and be like, Oh, oh that's interesting. That's really cool. Um, she's just always loved produce. So, yeah. um, it's, for, for us, it's not a challenge. She she eats her fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice relationship. When we were out there last week dropping off the flyers, and maybe Claire can share a little bit more about this, but um, it was interesting because one of the guys that gives us the box every week, um, he was telling us, oh, yeah, there's this one squash, and oh, I love to cut it up this way. And their enthusiasm for their produce out there is yes. just contagious. I'm yes. Like, oh, we have those. We should try that. We haven't done it because I'm intimidated by this piece of squash that I don't really know what to do with. Totally. Um, but they're very enthusiastic and they have a lot of recipes on their website. They yes. sure do. Andrea. Andrea Chavez yes. is, is incredible. And Andrea is a member of our board of directors. Oh, that makes perfect yeah, sense. She's okay. lovely. Yeah. Well, she's just so, I mean, you, you can feel, I actually don't know her all that well, but when you get the box and you see the, their newsletter basically on the inside, um, that woman is she just is like a machine. Mm -hmm. You can tell she cares about testing these recipes. She cares about how you store it, how you preserve things. Um, yeah, I think that's incredible. She's a lovely woman. Okay, so I know that this is about Claire, but I also want to talk about just food bank in general. How long has the food bank been around? So we've been around 33 years. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things that I love most about our food bank is um, we have board adopted nutritional standards. Oh, um, and not so, just the USDA standards. Not just the USDA standards. And so, and there, there, are, there are some hunger relief organizations um, that don't have nutritional standards. So when people donate uh, what we would consider junk food, um, mm -hmm. that junk food passes on and goes to their clients. It's still done out of love and, yeah. and for hunger relief, um, but, but we realize about a third of those clients that we serve are children under the age of 18. Yeah. Um, about a quarter of those we serve are seniors. So at both ends of life spectrum, having a nutritious meal is, is really vital. We're, we're building bodies and minds. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, that, again, that's kind of the power of what Claire does for us is she puts us in a position to purchase food at an incredible discount on, yeah. on, on the market we purchase from. And then we buy the food that complements our inventory. Mm -hmm. um, we appreciate people that donate food. That is, that is a lovely way of giving back to the community. Um, but, but an even greater impact um, is when people do like what Claire does um, mm -hmm. and figure out a way to, to donate money. Um, and so whenever we do food donations, like we're in the middle of Season of Hope right now with KSBY, mm -hmm. It's an amazing program. This year, we're actually changing the message um, and saying, if you if you already have excess nutritious food in your pantry, make a donation. If not, please go online and make a donation. Mm -hmm. um, and if you really want to go buy food and make a donation, please buy canned meat protein, so tuna, salmon, yeah. and chicken. Um, because um, a lot of times this time of year, people will donate treats thinking that, you know, hungry kids need treats, yeah, and so yeah. we'll get we'll get a lot of candy canes and a lot of marshmallows and brown sugar. And and how all many of, of those can you eat, really? And how and, far does it go? And so we we don't pass those on to our clients. Mm -hmm. um, we figure out another thing to do with them. Um, in many cases, it goes to hog farmers, so it gets back into the food chain. Oh, uh, the but without like the candy with, canes, huh? without <laughs> going directly to to children. Um, we know that when we give treats uh, to people that are hungry, um, what a lot of people don't think about is those treats then become a meal replacement. They don't become an enhancement yeah. to a meal. And so if we were going to give a kid, you know, a, a thing of uh, pound cake as a treat during the holidays, that may end up being breakfast. Yeah. 
And that kid's going to go to school having had this buttery, sugary bomb um, as nutrition. And and that's just not going to set that child up. Yeah, for that's success. not a treat anymore. That's not. That's not. We we want we want all people that eat to thrive. Mm-hmm. There are other ways that people can get treats and other things that are maybe really important to their family or their mm-hmm. culture. Um, we try and provide them nutritious staples so that we are the foundation on which a nutritious meal is built. Yeah. So with those uh, nutrition standards that you've adopted, how did you go about f- deciding? So we have a nutritionist on staff. Okay. Um, and then. Um, at the time that the board, and this predates me, uh, at the time that the board considered it, there were members of our board um, that were um, nutritionists, like uh, professors up at Cal Poly mm-hmm. um, and others. We engaged uh, members of our community in developing those standards. So literally every time somebody, don- if, if somebody chooses to donate canned food or boxed food to us instead of uh, an online donation, literally every can and box that comes in has to be inspected for the integrity of it. Yes, then we right. have to look for the best buy or use by date. That sometimes takes a long time because sometimes it's in a code uh, and we have to go online to look it up for this $2 can of whatever it is. And then we look at sugar, fat, and salt content and make sure that the per serving amount uh, meets our criteria. And if it doesn't, it goes in another bin and it doesn't go towards hunger relief. And so um, that's why what Claire is doing is just so impactful because she's, she is meeting us where we are in our mission and, and get putting us in a position to feed as many people as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. And she continues to do it, which is just incredible. Yeah, that's cool. She is a rock star at the food bank. So it's no mystery that when she shows up, everybody's happy. When her mm-hmm. newsletter comes out, um, we get copies of it. Um, and quite literally at our um, at our staff meetings, her jokes and riddles are what we read off to start the day or to end the day. Um, and there's always a lot of laughter and chuckles. Yeah. Where do you get your jokes and riddles? Um... Just from different sources yeah. online, yeah. Yeah, has to make you smile or laugh to, to make it into the newsletter, I'm sure. Well, they're gardening letter, gardening yeah, jokes. They're yeah, okay. So sometimes, like, if it's carrots this week, then they're carrot jokes. Or, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It's pretty that's cute. Great. In fact, when she volunteered last week, um, a gentleman overheard that, that this was Claire, and she wrote the newsletter, and he's like, oh, that was cool. I, I liked hearing your jokes. And I said, oh, she's still writing. He went, she's still going? Because yeah. he's been hearing them for so long. Um, it was it was really kind of a, a fun full circle thing that yeah. this guy we didn't even know, this young man, really enjoyed her joke. Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. A good joke is, you know, it's the best thing ever. Um, when you volunteer at the food bank, what kinds of things are you doing to help? What does that mean? Uh, that can mean filling bags with cans and like pasta and a flyer Mm -hmm. or it can be like folding the flyers to go in the bags Mm -hmm. making double bags so that the cans have a nice sturdy little place to go Mm -hmm. yeah so that can be a lot of different things Speaking of pasta I know Eto pasta donates quite a bit which is such a wonderful I mean, that's such a good marriage because it's a shelf-stable item. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's made locally with the best possible ingredients is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to know about the food bank? Do you have an estimate of how many people you feed annually? So um, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, and it's because I've said it so many times. We, we kind of know. Um, 
but we are more interested in serving than surveying. And so mm. we know that when we ask a lot of questions of our clients, sometimes mm. that becomes an impediment to them participating. Mm. Um, we, do, we do have some metrics on, we certainly know the volume of food volume, that we're putting out. Sure. Um, and we're, we're providing more than 4 million pounds of food annually. Um, we, we do know through, through our direct distribution, our agency partners and our senior home delivery program, how many people we're serving monthly. And it's over 31,000 people in Slough oh, County. Monthly. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I know that it's never enough. This is the nature of, of service in many ways and, and the hunger. It's never enough, but in terms of volume or in terms of what you would call effectiveness, where are you, you know, say 10 years ago, how have things changed or since the inception of Food Bank? So we're actually in the middle of studying that. Mm. Um, we, we've hired a, a young lady to do research for us. The last time we really took a deep dive into our understanding of hunger in Slow County was 11 years ago with mm. a study called The Paradox of Plenty. Um, we're in the middle of a food and health equity study right now, mm -hmm. um, and I'm anticipating that's, that study's going to be done with the results in February. So mm. a little early to know. Um, what I'm excited about is this is going to really help us um, reassess where hunger exists in our community, why hunger exists in our community, why are some people not availing themselves of our services, what, what does the geography of hunger look like in Slow County, yes. and then overlay our services and find some gaps. So there are communities where we know because of other demographics, the number of children that register for free or reduced meals, mm -hmm. uh, the unemployment rate, and, and other, other metrics that tell us hunger exists in this community. And when we take a look at some of the communities where we know hunger is high, and we take a look at our distributions, and distributions mm -hmm. are light, we wanna know why is there an imbalance there? Is, could it just be as simple as we're there the wrong day and the wrong time? Mm -hmm. um, we're there at the wrong place. Um, there's a lack of trust in that community yes, or a lack yes. of understanding. Messaging maybe off a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And so and so we really, I mean, we our ultimate goal is to solve the hunger problem mm -hmm. and put ourselves out of business. We mm -hmm. would love to do that. Yeah. Um, but, but on the path to doing that, and there are so many of the root causes of hunger that we don't have the opportunity to address as the food bank, but on the path to trying to put ourselves out of business we want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of as many people as we possibly mm -hmm. can yeah uh, I I know I've heard many times that you can't see hunger it's not obvious it's to the naked eye um, can I give you a story about that? Yes, that's what I'm asking. I want an anecdote so, to make that. So you that. can't see hunger, but it is it is literally all around us. And I'd be surprised if there was a single listener to your podcast um, that wasn't one person removed from somebody that, that realized hunger. Seriously? That's quite a statement. So I was getting my teeth cleaned about a year ago, and I had my food bank polo shirt on. And the woman, this kind of brings tears to my eyes because mm -hmm. it was just so sweet and sad. The woman cleaning my teeth said, hey... Um, I got to take a minute. She left and she came back and she was teared up and she mm. said, I see your shirt. I just want to let you know for the last year when we weren't cleaning teeth, I'm a single mom of two kids. I relied on the food bank that whole mm. time to mm. feed my kids. And I just wanted to say thank you. Wow. I would have never known that. And if I didn't wear that polo shirt, I would have never, wow. I would have assumed this was just the dental hygienist and they make right. a good living and no idea. Um, and so, and, and that is, that is more prevalent, 
um, than I think a lot of people will ever realize. Pre-pandemic, it was one in six in our community um, that, that suffer with food insecurity. Cal Poly just did a study, 27% of students on campus face food insecurity. Yes. United Way just did a study, 26% of slow county residents don't make enough money to meet their basic life needs. You say 26%? 26%, so more than one in four. Let's just call it one in four. Mm -hmm. Slow County residents don't make enough money for food, rent, medical, transportation. So those are people that are making decisions every day mm -hmm. about what they're not gonna spend money on. And, and the, the sad reality is there is so much junk food, highly processed, prepared food, that is dirt cheap and readily available everywhere. It's the big problem. It's like the it's big thing that we problem. can't. It's a huge problem. We can't even talk about it in the right way. It's and so and so, there are people that live abstract. maybe in food deserts yes. where where they're, they're they don't have access to fresh produce, and we may be their only source of fresh produce. Mm -hmm. um, but there are people that maybe live because of their mobility or transportation issues, where they go shopping is a, a local corner market, right. and they go in there and, and they buy Donuts. salty, fatty, sugary yeah. foods. Um, and and then you're setting those people up for just, just horrible um, realities later in life as type 2 diabetes and coronary vascular disease and obesity and all of the, the impacts of that come about. And so all of these people that are struggling to get by, the, the food system that is in place to support them is actually putting them deeper and deeper and deeper into despair. Oh my gosh. And it can start to feel like, how does one person or an organization dig us out of that situation. Yeah, I, I, I think it goes back to education and, and teaching, well, teaching and people. And I'm looking at Claire right? because I'm like, well, that's how. She's a movement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a movement. Yeah. I'm happy you're here also because I know my kids were squabbling before we started rolling, but I got to tell my son, who's 12, um, there's this young woman in our community and she's doing this. Uh, I didn't have all the details, but I knew that there was a lot of thought and energy behind what you're doing. And I knew that you had raised $5,000 and he paused for a second. It's one of those things that as you get the message out to probably, I think more kids, and I'm sorry to say that kid doesn't, you don't feel like a kid to me. You feel nope. like somewhere <laughs> in between, um, but a young adult, getting that message out to them, I think, could be very useful because there's a there's a momentum there, an inspiration there that um, anybody can help. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to know? You mentioned Cal Poly and mm -hmm. hunger. And you also said something about the paradox of plenty. Cal Poly is, if I'm, I think I'm saying it correctly, it's the wealthiest state university in, in one of the wealthiest, in, in let's say the number four economy in the world, mm -hmm. California. Mm -hmm. um, San Luis Obispo, if you've had a look at home prices anytime recently, it is absolutely warp speed ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are in this rich, rich, rich place. And you're telling me that one in four since the pandemic, is that what you said? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that was a recent study that Cal Poly did last year. Is not able, doesn't make enough money. Yeah. to support basic needs. So we we supply. We have a pantry at Cal Poly that Cal Poly has a pantry that we supply food to. Cuesta the same. Mm -hmm. um, we have a distribution at Cuesta and a distribution at Cal Poly. Um, when Cal Poly came back in session um, earlier this year, um, we took out. 
um, an, a volume of food reflective of where we thought the campus was. Yeah. And we ran out. And you didn't have enough, yeah. And so pre-pandemic, um, some of this might have been awareness, some of my, this might have been stigma of accepting um, help participating in the program, but pre-pandemic, we were maybe providing direct hunger relief to 35 or 40 students every time we did a distribution. Oh my gosh, 35 we, or 40 is it. We, pre-pandemic, uh, yeah, right. we, we went out um, at the beginning of the year prepared to serve 300. Um, we served way more than 300. Mm -hmm. There were still 50 other people um, that we referred to the pantry, and then we've since, we continue to ramp up uh, the amount of food. The, the same study um, showed, I believe it's 12% of Cal Poly students um, have experienced homelessness. Um, mm -hmm. And so these are kids that are sleeping in cars, mm -hmm. um, couch surfing, which sounds a whole lot more fun than it actually is. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and these are young men and women trying to improve their um, self-sustainability by, by getting a career. And now they're making decisions about, do I buy that book or do I buy that meal? Um, do I pay rent or, or do, I, do, I, um, do I get really, really junky food from or, the corner market? Or tuition, you or, know. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, uh, it starts to jeopardize, it fully jeopardizes the education itself. And, and most of these students are also working. Mm -hmm. So they're working hard and, um, and studying hard, trying to improve their lot in life. Um, and, and this is just the, this is the challenge that they have to overcome. And, mm -hmm. and so again, back to Claire, then with, with people like Claire in our corner, we can, mm -hmm. we can help them do that. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of college, I don't mean to put pressure on you here, but have you ever thought about what you want to do when you are, um, you know, after you've finished school? I'm already yeah. recruiting her for the future. Well, she, she may do that, yeah. <laughs> I want to um, be in the medical field, like a, mm. a research doctor or something like that. Oh, wow. Do you want to go abroad, overseas? Is that... Well, I haven't thought that far, but... <laughs> I'm planting the seed now. She's actually named some schools she might like to go to. So yeah. she's a planner, for mm -hmm. sure. She probably doesn't want to share them right now, but she yeah. has some she has some ambitions and some goals of where she's thought about going to school, and mm -hmm. it's really interesting because I know when I was twelve, just my I was the first to go to college in my yeah. in my family, and so I just my goal was I'm going to go to college, and it's pretty cool that I have a daughter that's like I not only do I want to go to I want to be a doctor and I want to go to this school and yeah. um, and she just you know she's a planner she's a doer. Yeah. She's a very caring person. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be a planner to be able to pull off a weekly, a weekly newsletter. This podcast is quarterly, and I stress about it for three months, let alone every single week. Well, that's exciting. Do you do pretty well in science, math, that kind of thing in school? Yes, math is my favorite subject, and I really like my teachers. So. Nice. A yeah. good teacher makes all the difference. Yes, a quiet classroom. <laughs> I love a quiet classroom. So. Oh my gosh, same. I can't. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't write if I can't write if there's noise or music. But I can't write if there's like a, an errant sock on the floor. I just it needs to be like a temple for me to be able to work. <laughs> well, you guys are so cool. This is so cool. Thank you for coming over. Um, I've been wanting the food bank on here for ages ages but when i saw claire's work i thought okay maybe this is how i can get it we're happy to ride her coattails yes <laughs> well and and this podcast will come out december 1st but i will talk a little bit maybe on social media and send out my newsletter to make sure people are aware of the thanksgiving drive you. um you're welcome yeah okay so before we end i want to know how you're going to spend thanksgiving what are you guys going to do 
Well, I know for us, Claire has rehearsals, so yes. we'll be around, and oh. then we're going to camp. We're going to do a hike-in camp. Yeah, <gasps> one night. So oh. we've been wanting to do that for a while. So we're going to do a little a little hike-in camp for the first time. So yeah. It'll be cold, but... It'll be cold, but we're going to do it because it's hard to get that campsite. Yes. Right. This will come out after you're gone. Can you say where you're going to go? Um, I think it's in Montana de Oro. Oh, cool. Just yeah, local. just local, but, yes. you know, because she has rehearsals on Sunday, so we'll go Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'll be right. rehearsals, and, yeah, yeah, so we'll fit it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, and you guys are going to cook? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. It's got, Fun. like, an ocean view. I'm so excited. That's, oh, I've, you mean Thanksgiving. Are we going to cook? Yeah. Yeah, we always cook. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a Thanksgiving weekend camping trip. That sounds just, like, crisp and cool and... And Montana de Oro, you couldn't ask for a better spot. It feels far away, but it's not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What are you going to do, Garrett? I have a tradition since coming to the food bank. I will be putting on a turkey costume, full-body turkey costume, and running in our turkey trot. Um, We're doing a a 5K uh, 5K walk run, whatever you want to do, stroll. Um, One in Avalon, one in Pismo Beach. So I'll be in Pismo Beach this year um, with the full turkey costume. Running and cheering people on, raising funds for this lovely food bank. I love it. I love it being the mascot for everything. Real quick, as I'm thinking about it, you were um, a fireman. Mm-hmm. Do you still consider yourself a fireman? Is, is it like once a fireman, always a fireman? You know, when I think about some of uh, during COVID and coming to the food bank um, and having never been in a nonprofit before I'd been on nonprofit boards, but then flip the tables and be staff. Mm-hmm. Um, just that ability to not be, um, you know, when you're, when you're a firefighter and you show up in the house on fire and people are jumping out of the windows and all of that kind of drama that usually <laughs> is more played out on TV, but does happen. You, you can't buy into the emotion, emotion or chaos. Yeah. You just have to size up what's going on, identify your resources, pick pick your priorities and go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of sense of calm purpose has served me well at the food bank. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, and it was really that that skill set that brought me to the food bank when I was consulting in between the fire service and the food bank and mm-hmm. um, leaned in to help write some emergency plans for them mm-hmm. with my partner. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, you know, I, um, I, I still, I carry the Pulse Point app, which alerts you if you're, you're close to somebody in need of CPR. So I still feel very comfortable responding and helping people. Uh, but right now, um, working in the fire service, it feels like a different lifetime yeah. because of all that has happened over the last three years at the mm-hmm. food bank. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I rarely think about my time in the fire service. I'm thankful for the skills that it gave me. Um, but I, I, my life uh, and my identity is so much more anchored to what's going on at the food bank than anything else. Um, one of the skills it taught you, I, n- I happen to know, having spoken with firefighters, is the ability to cook for a crowd. Yeah, I can cook. <laughs> well, he can. He, he makes good bread, too. Claire got to oh, treat yes. once to some bread. Is it sourdough? Can. Yeah. Oh, sourdough people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's an obsession. Yeah. I do my own sourdough. I do my own kombucha. Um, mm. I have a wood-fired pizza oven in the backyard, and I am a fanatic about pizza. Yeah. Fanatic. Favorite place to have pizza around here? Uh, boy, there are a lot of them, and I don't want to offend any of them. I gotcha. Um, but there, there, is, there is some legit good pizza yeah. in Slow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. If it were your last day on Earth, and... Um, 
you were so stoked about what you'd accomplished on planet Earth and you wanted to celebrate what would you eat and what would you drink and who would be there? And I'll start maybe with Garrett, actually. Well, I would I would probably have a margarita pizza. Uh, mm-hmm. I would... Buffalo mozzarella. Buffalo mozzarella, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, what I love about margarita pizza is that it is so few ingredients, yeah. both in the dough and then uh, in, in the preparation, that, that you have to get the... The ingredients have to be spot on and the the ratio has to be perfect and the prep and and with a margarita cooking it at 750 degrees Mm -hmm. 15 seconds one way or the other makes a difference between something great and something really really bad so I that's what I love is I mean it's you it's kind of geeky and I love that about it Mm. Um, and it'd just be my wife and I um, maybe my son and his his new wife Mm. um, and our uh, Boston Terrier Walter Oh, Walter's got to be there. Yeah, yeah right. And, and maybe a nice glass of Syrah. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to go. Yeah. All right, Brenda. Um, mine's much more simple than Garrett. I, I am a fan of, of international cuisine, mm-hmm. and I really love Thai red curry with prawn. I think that's just delicious. Yeah. And of course, with my family, maybe we would even have Buddy, our 17-year-old cat, nearby. Seventeen-year-old so. cat. Yeah. Well done, buddy. I know, buddy's hanging in there. Yeah, but I love, I love Thai food. It's delicious. Yes, <laughs> I agree. All right, Claire, what would it be? Well, very underwhelming after the <laughs> beautiful story of margarita pizza, <laughs> but I love steak. Yeah. So yeah, I would really enjoy that, and I think Kitty would too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, may as well give him a, a party as well. Huh? Mm-hmm. It's so lovely to meet you. I'm so proud of not just Claire, but what our community, what our community does. Um, the way that we care about people is pretty, pretty remarkable and inspiring. So thanks for helping to tell the story. That, absolutely, this is this is vitally important. Sharing the story of the food bank and sharing the story of Claire for other people to realize, man, if a 12 year old young lady can do that. Yeah. What can I do with my resources? Yep, yep. Well done, everybody. Thank you, Claire, Brenda, Garrett, for coming on. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast, which is now in its 15th season. Hard to believe. If you have suggestions for guests, questions, or comments about the show, please contact me via my website, letsgetconsumed.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter, buy a little consumed pin or download live episodes on instagram i'm at consumed.podcast consumed is produced by me jamie lewis and edited by chris lambert until next time thank you for listening